All right, guys. So uh, welcome to the podcast. I've got Dan Moore, special guesting with us today. So Dan is here from his business, his DM Elite Training. He's been a gym owner for seven years now. He's got two thriving locations with over 400 members. He's also the author of the Amazon bestselling book, I'll Start Next Monday. So I want to thank Dan for coming on to the show to share his expertise. And I believe we're going to talk a lot about the mindset required to be a successful gym owner and multi-site owner and uh, go through some of the lessons and, and things along the way. So welcome, Dan. Thanks for coming on. Pleasure to be here, Justin. Thanks for having me on. Great. So, yeah. So, you know, you, you've you've come to a point where most gym owners never even get to. I don't know the stats exactly, but, you know, uh, just to have one thriving, profitable location is pretty much a huge achievement for any gym owner. So to have two of them, you know, managing 400 members, uh, a team of staff as well. And I believe you said you've, you've got a bit um, of family, a couple of kids as well. Is that right? Yeah, two kids, two dogs. <laughs> so I guess the first question I think a lot of gym owners might want to know is if they have this vision of having multiple locations, hundreds of members, um, what does a typical day look like for you in terms of managing? How do you manage like your time for yourself, time for your family, time with your team, your clients? What does a typical day look like and uh, how do you balance it all? Um, typical day, like any business owner will say, changes so quickly. But I think I always try and make sure I have my day mapped out the day before. So a big thing I learned from working with people like Paul Mark. Um, the mindset point of view from time management point of view was just like journaling you know really embedding that as a habit and um, so I guess practicing what I preach from that side of things what I did the clients back in the day where you journal your food and you track food it's like really tracking my time I think that's important because time is the most thing the thing we won't get back it's finite so you know really looking at a day the day before planning out sort of blocks of time I try and give myself two to three things I'd like to get done next day and these aren't generally things that are to-dos. These are things that get moved the needle forward. So I know if it's conversations with staff, maybe it's one-on-one appraisals, maybe it's um, putting together a marketing campaign, maybe it's getting the guys ready for sales calls, giving guys targets. Um, might be training myself, you know, little things like that, you know, to prioritize my own physical mental health. But I think I, I try and give myself two to three things. I don't try and give myself too much because your day is busy enough. There's so many things out with your control that will hit you Anyway, as a business owner, I guess. So I think the key is really stripping things back, saying no to a lot of things, keeping things as simple as possible, um, and doing those simple things, almost boring things some of the times, uh, very well. I think it's very easy to, when you have b businesses or a business, and you're, you're almost like rewarded early on the business for, for doing new things and trying new things and getting more and more from new things. Whereas I think when you get to this sort of point, we have more staff, more clients, more complexity of the business. I think it's a case of dialing things back um, and not doing that so much and really simplifying days, times, and just giving your time into your people. You know, I think people might think it looks really big and exciting, but I think when you when you own and run a business with the staff and with a lot of clients, when you have high, high standards, from a product service point of view, it's just making sure those things are getting done every day. And I, my job is basically just make sure those things get done and done to a good standard. Myself and my wife, we both sort of work in the business. 
across the both gyms. And that's really our job is to make sure I can't look after 400 clients myself anymore. So it's making sure that I can look after the staff, look after 400 clients and make sure their standards are aligned with my sort of standards, values, goals, targets. And as long as I'm sure, sure that. Yeah. So what, like what kind of, what is your team, like what kind of team structure do you have? What does that look like? So we've got um, 10 staff in total, myself and wife. We have um, my young nephew, Toby, that cleans the gym and everything else. But other than that, we've got seven, seven full-time staff. Um, one of those staff, uh, Lisa, she works across both gyms from a sort of HR, admin, sales point of view and does all the back-end stuff. So the trainers don't have to worry about, you know, admin, basically. Um, the things that we're not very good at, essentially. So Lisa's good at that side of things. So she takes charge of that. Myself and my wife, Amy, uh, I'll do a bit of coaching, but not a huge amount anymore. I'll maybe do one or two shifts on average per week over a year. But we're, our job is basically to go into both gyms together or either or and ensure things are run, looking right, running right, speaking to staff, speaking to the team if they've got any struggles, problems, dealing with those. If they're doing well, reinforcing that. Maybe meeting to, meeting meeting one to one to clarify their goals and targets and making sure their day to day actions are in alignment with those. Um, and we have six trainers, so four full time in our bigger location in Renes, and two full time in our bigger their smaller location there, which just opened. Um, so, yeah, we kind of we we decided to make sure that we didn't swap staff over both locations early on. We didn't want to dilute that because it's a relationship-based business, personal training. So we wanted to, especially with the with both gyms, actually, we didn't want to be seen, we didn't want our S clients in our bigger gym and our main gym to, to, to think we're just taking all the people away and we're going to go to this new gym and vice versa. We wanted to make sure that we're really building relationships early in their new gym because that's that's their biggest USP really is that sort of personal sort of guidance, per, knowing the people inside out. Um, so we split the people that way for are in a bigger site too in here. And there's a little bit of moving back and forth to deal with holidays, sickness potentially. I'll step in when there's holidays and sickness as well across both gyms. And that's basically how it looks like. You know, we we, we run one product, um, sort of small group, maybe even medium groups <laughs> training if you're looking at ratios. Um, we run one product. We keep it very simple. We don't do a huge amount otherwise. Um, and we just try and be the best at what we do. Okay. That's okay. So, um... Yeah, so seven full-time staff, uh, you know, again, a lot of trainers probably. And I, I remember there was a time 12 years ago when I ran my first studio, The just the concept of even having staff was just not something it even occurred to me. You know, when, when uh, I remember one time uh, a client said to me, you know, you should take a holiday sometime. You need, you need to take a break, take a holiday. And I was like, well, if I do that, I, you know, no one's going to get trained. And she said, well, just find another trainer to look after us for a week. And I, I was like nearly sick in my mouth. And I was like, what, you know, what do you, like, what do you mean? Right. That's, that's disgusting. Right. So there was a time like that, you know, I think a lot of trainers go through, you can't even comprehend um, the reality of having staff. So what was that transition like for you from, you know, what, what was your, I guess, earliest memory of, you know, the time before staff and then taking on staff for the first time and, how was that transition for you? And maybe what are some of the mistakes you've made in hiring that you can share? Um, I think with staff, I knew, like before we started a family, like, like when we had our first, our daughter in 2015, I was still doing everything myself. And I kind of I kind of knew deep down in my own head 
Like I'm good at what I see in my kids. I kind of need to hire people. I need to sort of think bigger, build a team, um, have my own facilities so they can like so I don't have my own job. I have a business that I can actually run rather than like a job I'm just managing. Um, so yeah, it was really just I did whether it was a bit of luck, maybe again whether it was with getting help. You know, even back then. Um, eight to ten years ago, I did still read a lot of books, seek out mentorship. I think along the way, I think by doing that, you almost learn other people's mistakes. You speak to other guys that have businesses that are a bit older and have kids that are a bit older, and they they tell you, "Look, don't do this, don't do that." And you kind of think, "Okay, well, I'm paying you for paying you for a reason. I might as well take your advice." Um, so I think successfully excludes in that respect, and I think I've always like reinvested most, even when we didn't have much money personally as a family, we still put everything we had into like getting better. And I think that's maybe a lesson in the sense of like when you're when when your target seems so far off, you can you can the only thing you can improve is you. And the only way to improve your value is by improving you. Um and that's that's been my sort of thought process over the last sort of eight, ten years. And it's sort of this was never a plan. It just sort of came to this. There's been little plans and little part like periods along the way where you, there's no doubt you make split decisions, you have to take risk, you have to have an element of planning to open one gym, two gyms, obviously there's planning in that. But I think it's more the byproduct of just wanting to get better. Um, and I knew that staff would have to be part of that because other guys that I've seen were doing well in the industry were, had staff. Um, guys that had gyms when I didn't have a gym, I was speaking to a lot of those guys. What were they doing well? What were they doing not so well? And there was always commonalities with both. And I guess I would just look at it and from a bird's eye view, step back and think, okay, I need to do more of this. N not so much of that. You know, I've, we've never we've never hired um, like self-employed trainers within the gym. All the trainers have always been fully employed, even from our very first one, who's still with us now, Erin, who's now basically running our second gym um, seven years later. So, you know, I think I think you get you get what you put into people. There's been times probably in the business when we had faster growth, or maybe I was attracted more with like maybe having our second child. There's periods when you look back and I think in business when you just know you maybe didn't you're putting so much time in like making sure you were good and making sure the business were good and the clients were good that you forgot maybe the people along the way. Um some mistakes from that point of view, you know, which people always say, I guess, maybe hiding too fast at points, rushing into decisions, not not stepping back, slowing down. I think and the further and further we got along, and even our staff say it now, it's the best team we've ever had. And that just that's just a byproduct of making mistakes. You know, so you've, you've kind of got to make mistakes to find the good, I think. I don't think mistakes are bad from that point of view. I don't think everyone, anyone will ever say they've hired perfectly through their entire business journey. Um, and that's not to say that people were bad people. I think that's just maybe that they maybe just didn't align with our values and goals with their career. And I think that's the most important thing when you're hiring. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> And you know, one thing we see is being aware that the the especially you know if you're if you're what's different about our businesses, right? Because we're we're in the startup phase and we're growing and we're we're breaking things and changing all the time as we learn we learn the ropes, we get mentors, we realize okay, that was rubbish, let me change that. It's different if you if you if you're a more established company, like your big fortune company, and you hire someone, the culture is there, the core values are there, the system is there. The ten-year career plan is there. Yeah. Whereas when when we're hiring, you know, I've, I've had a lot of gym owners I spoke to, um, and even even our own gyms, where you know we took people on the beginning who didn't ref who 
well, I guess they did reflect our values at the time, but then when we started taking our values seriously and made them conscious, yeah, only then because we developed, and then those people no longer align with the changes you make in the company because things have changed so fast. And then I think in that that rickety kind of growth phase, um, you know, and again, is it not not their fault? It's it's just the way it is. Yeah, it's a huge change. I guess if it's your business and you change, the business changes, and there's nothing much you or the person can do with that, I think. Yeah. I think I just know now, the, especially since we knew we were opening the second gym, like we always put time into staff. We had we had maybe one meeting a week, but now since having the two gyms, we've got two meetings a week. We're put, like we're just making such a more conscious effort to make sure we speak to every single member of staff every single day, even a lot of small things. I think maybe before we maybe missed one or two days, and it's not to say our attention was totally away from the staff, but I just think you get what you put into people. And I think if you want your people to be better, you need to spend so much time with your people. And I think maybe before I was too quick to think they're sorted, they're good, I can leave them now. And you know, and then the only te- only ever time you spoke to them is if it was a twelve week appraisal or if a problem cropped up or they want to leave. And that was that's never good, you know. If you if we want if we want to make sure in this industry that. We're, clients and looked after the same level that we think we should do it we need to make sure we we train the staff to be better than us almost and that's only way the business can improve like because unless if we don't if we keep thinking we're the best then we're gonna be the biggest bottleneck to our own business i guess yeah exactly so uh good you mentioned um mentioned paul mort uh a little while ago at the beginning uh so i know paul mort does a lot of work on mindset and stuff as well me and me and paul go Go, go years back. Um, how how did you come across Paul? Are you you know uh, um, you've done any programs with him or anything like that? Yeah, I, I started working Paul probably about ten years ago when he did the old MMIC Market Muscle Inner Circle. Mm-hmm. I think everyone, everyone yeah, I think everyone did that at some point. Um, you know, and I think Paul was my sort of like gateway drug into like the sort of um, mindset, personal development sort of. Um, it's business or the fitness industry and he was doing both at the time and yeah just came across one of his ads and um, listened to my podcast started doing some work with him mmic did his like higher level programs as like three-day intensives in like newcastle and then obviously paul broke away and went into a total different niche um but by that time i'd probably like expanded my sort of like network in that sense and sort of got to know people that are more like maybe more defined to maybe what i want to do in the fitness industry, um, not even just the fitness industry, but just learning from different, almost molding my own sort of way of doing things myself from different people. Um, yeah, and I guess we're probably in both similar, both in similar circles back then. Um, and more recently, yeah, I, I worked with Paul up until I did his alliance program for a year last year, and that helped in respect that I was launching my book that same year. So there was a big focus in my personal development launching the book, getting the book done well, um, upgrading my own standards. And I think that year, 2022, we sort of came out of COVID with one gym. I wasn't really sure in terms of what, where I wanted to take things. So I think that year was a good step back to take two forward. I think it gave me a good chance to sort of evaluate things myself personally. I tried some things. I had the book. I did some online courses um, from a mindset point of view with with clients. Um, I did some online PT Um after two or three years of not doing it. So I was almost dabbling in a lot of things and, and finding out what worked for me. And it came to the end of 2022 and I kind of thought, I think I, think I watched, a, I think it was an Alex Ramosi video. Um, 
the girl in the red dress video, which I'm, I'm not sure if you've ever seen, but it's basically like, yeah, you can, you can only do one thing very well, basically. And, and I was trying to do like three or four things well with having staff, and I was get I was I was getting nowhere. So I guess Paul's program helped last year in the sense that it, it worked to myself a little bit, helped me realise what I want to do, and that not that was hard because. I think when you're with Paul, and a lot of people who work with Paul have their own personal brands. They're doing a lot of online coaching, but I realised that probably was not what I wanted to do just now. Um, I still speak to some gym owners here and there, and they ask for an hour, I'll, I'll do it, um, so to speak. But it's nothing, like, it's not a solid business. It's just more informal consultancy I'll do from time to time. But my, I realised that what I was best at was gym ownership, what my USP was and what I knew I was be better than anyone and myself and my wife included where it was your ownership so we thought right we've got to double down on what we're good at rather than try to be all things to all people and the byproduct of that is now we've got the second gym and um, that was about six months ago sorry um nine ten months ago we sort of had that premonition so it's it's moved fast since there but i guess what paul's work taught me was yeah the, the importance of journaling planning prioritizing your mental health um your physical health as well. I think even when you're a gym owner, it's easy to get wrapped up and and get out of shape and 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 not be healthy yourself. So I think this, and just making things simple for yourself to win. I think that's the biggest thing I take from working with Paul. Um, and yeah, what he did, what he still does is great. I've got a lot of friends who still work with them and they love it. Great stuff. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, tell us a bit more about the book then. So I'll start next Monday. Um, is this a book written? Was it written kind of like for your clients? Is it written written for like other entrepreneurs, or how how did that come about? And uh, and yeah, just tell us about that. Yeah, it was, it was during the, I think it was during when the one lockdown. I think it was the second lockdown, and it wasn't novelty anymore. Lockdown, obviously, and it was winter time, and I was kind of like, what can I do this year? And I always try and do one thing, one like one bigger thing every year. So whether that's um, writing a book open the gym, maybe a big personal challenge or something like that. I always try and give myself one big target for a year. Um, so I thought, like, this year I'm going to write a book. So I, th I thought that I did it a long time about it. I've always read a lot, and I got to the point where I was kind of over-consuming, I think, and it was coming to the point where I had to create a bit more with what I've, what I've consumed over the years. Because it gets to the point you know yourself, and you read the same stuff, it's the same stuff over and over, just said differently. Um, so I want to put my own words. I want to make it for a sort of prospective clients, it was the, the sort of goal of the book was to build the gym's brand, my personal brand. Um, and it probably, yeah, the biggest, um, a lot of members have read it, love it. Um, a lot of members as well that are probably similar to myself really enjoy it in terms of maybe they have their own business and they're looking to get fit and prioritize their fitness, mental health. They really enjoy it. And the I'll Start Next Monday just came from like, we're thinking about a title. Um and I think my wife's just come out with, why don't you say I'll start next Monday? Because that's what everyone says in the gym. I was like, oh, that's genius. And so it's so, insane. So, um, yeah, everyone's remarked on, even people further afield um, that I don't know of, they've got in touch and love the title. Everyone just knows straight away what it is. Um, and for the gym, we just use it now more as like a sort of an authority point of view in terms of like our brand, the gym's brand. Um, it gives people a good insight into how we and I work. Um, and yeah, we got it to, we worked with um, Refresh, um, Rethink, sorry, Press, not Refresh, Rethink Press. Um, so I self-published it all. It was hard, though. It was really, like, it sounds good, it sounds great, but it was really difficult. 
Um, I don't know if I'd do it again. But yeah, we got it to uh, number one bestseller in two categories in Kindle when we launched on the health and fitness and health, fitness and nutrition. Sorry, nutrition as well. I don't know why it went in that category, but um, that was cool. Since then, that's sort of subsided since we opened the gym, but I'm looking to sort of keep promoting the book. We got it into local Waterstones and it's been a good... It's been a good one to get members talking and thinking about different things as well. Um, it's a long-term play, really. All right. Fantastic. Good. So let's take it back to, to what kind of mindset the gym owners then. So, you know, in your experience or, or experience you've seen from other people as well, what would you say is like the biggest um, challenge, let's say, and, uh, you know, we talk about mindset, but let's make it specific. You know, when it comes to like managing stress or emotional resilience, these kind of things. Um, what do you see as the biggest? Uh, yeah, like um, I guess not mindset block, but you know what I'm trying to say. What what, what do you think is the biggest challenge when it comes to gym owners? When it comes to uh, when it comes to you know their mind and their emotional health. Yeah, I think prioritizing their own health firstly. Um, that's a biggie. But I think then also, like practicing what you preach, I think a lot of personal trainers and gym owners will, will say to members, you know, you've got to track, you've got to, you've got to um, think longer term, you've got to be consistent, you know, and I think when you strip things back, you know, a lot of gym owners and personal trainers don't do that themselves with their business. And you'll, you'll know this from working with gym owners and personal trainers, you know, that they're, they'll track my fitness power religiously, they'll, They'll track numbers and, and and by the way, I'm not like that really to be honest with you either. I've never really been a huge sort of like PB guy in the gym. I've never been a huge uh, macro tracker. I know I know the X the nose. I know how to I know conceptually how it works, but it's never been huge for me. Um, but I think then a lot of gym owners struggle to then comprehend that they have to just do the same thing themselves. Um, so I think really it's a case of like again just dialing things back. Been, been aware enough sometimes to sort of em be empathetic enough sometimes to deal with like clients I think as well staff you know not being too reactive being like I think if you look after your own mental health physical health and you manage your time efficiently um, you don't drink a lot you don't have a lot of late nights you don't eat a lot of rubbish um, if you, you just do the simple things well I think it gives you a better foundation to then grow from and I think I still think a lot of people are still gym owners and personal trainers are running 100 miles an hour. They're out at the weekends, they're drinking, they're coming in Monday morning. They take two two days to get going. They're maybe a bit snappier with clients. They're maybe a bit snappier when a member says they need to stop. You know, because that's one snappy small decision or reaction to a client who says, look, I need to pause for a couple of months because I'm going away a lot. You know, how you react to that situation, that split second, and the compound effect of like what that does for your brand over a long period of time, the amount of people you do that to, is massive. And I just think sometimes people don't see the small things um, enough. You know, the little soft skills, um, how you how you deal with people from a tonality communication standpoint, and how you think about how people's situations and being empathetic enough to put yourself in their position and what they're going through because you have one fixed way of doing things and you're so strong and and from this side of things, but you can't see it from this side of things. So I just think, yeah, I just think stripping things back really a wee bit would help a lot of people and not making things so complicated and not and not thinking because it works really well for you this way that it's got to work for everyone else. 
um, and being willing to take your own advice, I think, a lot of the time would, would be massive for gym owners. I think, yeah, how you deal with how you deal with people is massive and your mindset behind how you deal with people be that clients or staff will be the will be the i guess the, the determining factor between the success and failure yeah i think there's definitely uh there's like a certain emotional bandwidth of like how many clients the average coach can take on before all these cracks start to show and they, and they go from being, you know, you're, you're so proactive when it's like zero to 20 clients, you're just proactive, you're on top of the world. Yeah. Getting like maybe 50, 60 clients or more is, is around about then when it, you start becoming more reactive. And then, yeah. So yeah. Or you need to hire. And if, you, if you're not, and if you want to keep doing it yourself and don't want to hire, or you're not willing to put the time into that person and you want them, you don't want them to be better than you, then you're never going to win either way. So it's, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult scenario you, get, you need to find your own way through, I guess. And I think that's important distinction there as well. Like when people ask me about this, like I always say the one thing trainers have to do ultimately is, is be aware that they have to make a decision. Like I think a lot of trainers are trying to like hold on to being a trainer and they bring on, but they don't look at their staff as staff. They look at them as partners or like a necessary evil, mm -hmm. like a necessary chore they've got to do. Yeah. I was like the way the way to succeed with teams is you first of all you have to want to have employees. Mm -hmm. You have to want to make it a business, knowing you will step away from the coaching. I think a lot of trainers want to keep hold of the coaching and just get get bits they don't like taken care of. Um, but they're not necessarily building a business or building a team. They they're kind of just trying to just keep themselves, make, manage manage their own routine, basically. Yeah, it's a stopgap. It's like, yeah, it's, it's a means to an end. Yeah, I think that's that's a big issue. And I think that's probably something that I wasn't probably aware of we did so much. We weren't, weren't at that extreme sense of, like, we just, like, we, we... But I think having having a second gym, a big part of us wanting to expand the gyms and grow the brand was to give the staff a path. I think when you have one gym, the path is quite limited. Um, there's only so there's only so far you can take one person or X amount of people. Yeah. There'll, there'll always be a turnover of people at a certain level because the one gym can only facilitate X amount of wages and the staff turnover ratio. So I think having the second gym potentially more, you know, will give it's given Ned a big chance to, to go and progress our career. Well, uh, yeah, one thing I believe as well is when you when you start taking on employees, like like you, we we employ everyone like proper staff as well. Freelance is different, but when you start taking on employees. Um, it's like in a sense you have to keep the gym the business has to keep growing if you want to retain staff members the business has to be growing right because if they it, you know they're going to leave when they're not challenged anymore there's no more growth in it for them and they grow themselves personally professionally to more than the gym and the gym hasn't grown enough to give them new responsibilities to take on you're gonna you're gonna lose the best people that way. Everyone's worried about how you know um, you know losing people after a couple of months. They don't think about you're gonna lose people after a year if yeah. it hasn't grown sufficiently enough. So it's like as soon as you take employees on, it's like you you've hit that button and now you're on the you're on like a, a never ending treadmill and you've got to stay on there now. Uh, that momentum has to keep going. Uh, if if you want those employees to stick around, kind of like with clients, right? Like clients getting results if they're going to stay with you and keep working with you. 
Yeah, but they, they need people. People need change. People need freshness. People need like, clients need a social event to work towards to make sure the day to day is enjoyable. People and and staff need a sort of next checkpoint to work towards to ensure that their day to day is because like personal trainers, yes, they love the gym. Like I, we got into the industry because we love the gym, but you know. There's got to be a balance where there's enough, there's sufficient challenge there to make sure that day to day is enjoyable because it is hard hours sometimes. You know, I, I've, I'm working this week in their second gym and balancing family life and balancing own training and balancing being back in the gym floor is difficult. You know, when you've got early mornings, some later evenings, it does take its toll. So it's got to be worth it. You know, the juice has got to be worth the squeeze from that side of things. And I think with any career, industry, business, you've got to know what you're working towards, whether you're a client or a member, a member of a team. Um, and I think that lack of awareness from maybe gym owners to personal trainers, just seeing them as a cog in the wheel, maybe just seeing them as a stopgap, someone that can buy them a bit of time back. It's not really a nice way to treat the so, You know, would you be, would you like to be treated like that if you were an employee? I don't think so. You know, you've probably had jobs before where you weren't, you didn't enjoy that. So, you know, it's being treated how you'd like to be treated yourself. And I think if you have staff that are aligned with you in terms of like values and goals, it makes the day to day so much more enjoyable. And people are wanting a bit more work as well to get to that point, even when you don't ask for it. Yeah. So final kind of thing to ask then is, uh, you know, when gym owners come to you, if you have to distill, let's say a gym owner comes and they want to either open a gym uh, or, or you know, take their, take their gym to be profitable so they can step back, have more time with family and have a nice smooth running low lower stress business i'll never say no stress but low stress business um what would be like if you had to distill it down to like one main piece of advice what would it be um don't do it because it look you know don't do it based on maybe what you see other people doing it and thinking it's the sexy thing to do and just going and doing it i think I was very much wet behind the ears when we opened our first gym. We just sort of fell into it. We saw a place that we liked. It was in a good spot. And I thought, yeah, we'll open this. You know, we were very lucky in terms of when we got into the industry, where we got into, and things just fell into place in there. We were quite fortunate in that respect because we made a lot of wrong decisions when we got into it. Uh, and sometimes I think having a gym can seem cool, maybe especially entrepreneurship on Instagram now, um, ownership of a gym business is a cool thing to do. Um maybe where it wasn't as cool, maybe 20, 30 years ago, by all accounts. So it's just to not base what you, how you want to live your day-to-day -day life based on what other people are doing or saying is cool because, you know, five, 10 years down the road, you won't get that time back. It, it'll take a huge amount of time and sacrifice to to run a business, to open a gym. I think if you're doing it to... I think if you do it to have a more comfortable life because that's what I thought initially, but I almost got to that point and... Like I said to you earlier, off off the sort of recording, I got quite bored in the sense that I didn't really know what to do, you know, because I was like gratified for all these like sort of tough decisions, big risks, action, 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 you know, sales, marketing, fulfillment, events, retreats, you know, you do all these things, you build this business to this point, um, to then step back, and you step back, and you're like, okay, you've got to be able to fill. If your job, if your goal is to step back, then know what you're stepping back to fill your time with, because. It probably won't match your personality to just do nothing. You know, that's not what you got into the business for. So don't get into business to do nothing because you'll get very bored of nothing. Uh, and I think I speak to a lot of people, you know, 
still work and have businesses in their 60s, 70s, 80s, and they just don't want to stop because they enjoy the process. They, lo they, they love the day-to-day, -day, they love the grind, they love the the unpredictable nature of it and what it can bring because you just don't, you don't ever know how far it can take you. Whereas, you know, if you if you do it for the wrong reasons and you get into that, and you know, it's a long time, a lot of time you put into it. Sometimes people are better off being employees as well. I think that's, that's you know, something that's not always said. I think, yeah, some people just aren't built to maybe have staff. Some people aren't built to take the risk and demand of like putting 50 grand a year on their own name to, to take out the first location. Because then the, the, the difference to that is, I guess, is like you take it all on yourself and personally guarantee it yourself because nobody else is going to take it on when you've got no proof of concept. Or you have maybe have two, three, four, five partners because you want to divide the risk. You divide the risk, then two years, three years down the line, then you want to get out because you, you're not getting enough for it, if that makes sense as well. I think there's so many ways. You've got to be so laser focused in terms of what you want, I think, and then not deviate from that path. Don't don't get distracted. Don't get um, you know next shine, don't get taken by bites, shiny object syndrome. You know and start online programs when you try to build this one gym because this one gym will need everything to get to be successful. And that's a mistake I've made myself. And you know um, I know that by just putting more focus on one thing will yield bigger results than that one thing. Um, and sometimes yeah, you're maybe better off being an entrepreneur. Maybe you're better off running a gym but not having the risk of you know having it hang over your head if something if, a, if COVID happens or if the next recession happens you know it's there's a lot of risk it's got to be worth it all right brilliant so yeah some great insights there um sure everyone will benefit from that and uh yeah maybe we'll we'll have you come back on we'll chat about some different topics another time so uh, good but so yeah, where would if people want to find out more about you or about the book uh, or follow you, where's the best place for them to go? Um, well, just my Facebook, Instagram. I don't spend a huge amount of time on there or producing content, but I'm Dan Moore on Instagram and my and the gym's handle is DM Elite Training, and and Facebook just my name obviously and the gym's name. Um, for the book, you can get it on Amazon. Um, I'll start next Monday. Um, it should be on there. If you want to get a feel for what that's about, or yeah, if anyone has any questions about writing a book, running a gym, um, going from one to two gyms, whatever that is, then feel free to get in touch and reach out. I'll be happy to help. All right, great. We'll drop those links uh, below the podcast uh, or YouTube or whatever you're watching this, so you can check out the links below and reach out to Dan um, to pick his brain on building a gym. All right, well, thanks, Dan. It's been great having you on, and look forward to speaking again. See you later.